born to die He might give Eternal life That I might live Then rose again Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment. But first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. For Jesus saved my soul that night. Turn in your Bible to the book of Psalms. Because I want to talk to you a little bit about the unseen hand of God. You and I are supposed to believe that God is leading us with his hand. He upholds us with his hand. He guides us with his hand. And so we can't see God, so we're to be led by an unseen hand. And it's kind of like, are you holding on to the hand of God, or is God holding on to your hand? Interesting. But look there in Psalms 139, in verse 5. It makes the statement, Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thy hand upon me. And then you'll notice down there in verse 16, Thine eye. Now, I can't see the hand of God, and I can't see the eye of God. But I'm supposed to believe that the Lord is always looking at me, and the Lord is always holding my hand. He says he upholdeth them with his right hand. If this is true and I can't see it, it's still true because God's word says so. You'll notice in verse 17, how precious also are thy thoughts. So we're talking about the thoughts, God thinking about me, God looking upon me and hand upon me. Thine eyes did see me, my substance, did see my substance yet being imperfect. That means not complete. When I was being formed in my mother's womb. And in thy book, thy book, I think you ought to underline those two little words. If God says that he has a book, and in this book, everything about you is recorded. So God has a DNA code of you in his book. And he makes this statement. In thy book, all my members were written, which in a continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Before there was any of my bones or my flesh, or sinew, or tissue formed in my mother's womb, God already had a book on me, already had wrote a book. Now, if this is true, and I believe that it is, when did he write this book? When it happened? Or is God forever writing books on somebody? When he would get writer's cramp. Or could it have been planned before the foundations of the world? I think it's interesting to study. I always enjoy looking at things from a different perspective. And I try to see things from a divine perspective, from God. If God says this, then I try to put myself up there, okay, now what else did he say? What else can I think about this? And I believe there's a lot more to it. 
Look in Psalms 119. And look there in verse 89. The Bible tells us that thy word is forever, O Lord, settled in heaven. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Now, are we talking about thy word up until that verse is settled in heaven? Or could it also include the verse after that verse? Well, if it included the verse before, could it have included the verse afterwards? Well, I would think so. Thy word. Are we talking about just the book of Psalms? Up to the book of Psalms? Could we go past the book of Psalms? Is it possible that when he says, My word is forever settled in heaven, that he's talking about the whole word of God? If he's talking about the whole complete word of God that's settled and it's in heaven, does God have a copy of the Bible, the Word of God, in heaven. And if it's true, when did he write it? And if it is true, and it was already written, because he says, my word is settled. He talked about his word has been preserved. Is it possible that God could have a copy of his word in heaven before he ever made the world? If that's true, that leads me to another question, and then another question, and then another question, and I just get full of questions. Because I wonder about a lot of things. I'm always trying to figure out, well, if God does all of this and knows all of this, was not Isaiah written in advance in Isaiah 53 when he talks about the Messiah, how he's going to be born, talking about how he's going to die for the sins of the world and he's going to be buried in a rich man's tomb and all these things? Isaiah just loaded. But it tells you in advance about what's going to happen with Christ. It was written just at that time. Or is it the fulfillment of Scripture that already existed with the Lord? We think about the Solomon's temple. It was made after the pattern of one that already existed in heaven. Hebrews chapter 9. That God says there's a tabernacle in heaven and the one that was built upon the earth was simply a model of it. You see, God has wrote a book. And God has a book. And he said all of your members are written in the book. Well, is that book finished? Or is this a continuation? Is he still writing? Or has the book on you and the book on me already been completed? Does God know the end from the beginning? Yes, he does. Does that mean that I, I really don't have any choices in life? That God has made me nothing more than a robot? And I'm just going through a, a little game down here? No, it's not a game. But because of the foreknowledge of God, God knows the end from the beginning. Predestination is what God does. God can determine certain things based upon his foreknowledge, but his foreknowledge is based upon your knowledge and based upon the decisions that you make. So God can predetermine in advance what's going to happen based upon your decisions because God knows the end from the beginning without making you or I do anything. How do you make all that happen? I haven't got the faintest clue, and I don't have to really worry about it. But I want you to know that there is his word that is forever settled. And if the word has been forever settled in heaven, God has a copy of this before man ever wrote it. Man is simply writing down the word of God, but God already has a copy. He has the original. God sees things as though it already has been and can have it already recorded. God knows the end from the beginning. The Bible talks about prophecy. Prophecy is nothing more than history told about in advance, pre-written history. In other words, the future is written in advance. 
This is how and why we believe that the Word of God is true. God wrote it in His Word as though it's already happened, and it ain't happened yet. Does, does God intervene on man's behalf? Yes, He does. Wasn't Joseph going to put away Mary because she was found to be with child? Yeah. And he would have. So in order to change the course of history, God intervenes. Because God has an ultimate purpose. But God didn't make Joseph do it. He explained things to Joseph, and Joseph did it. Does God know your mind and my mind? Yes, he does. He knows why we think what we think. And God can work upon us. He uses people sometimes, circumstances sometimes, to get us to where he wants us to be. We'll never fully understand it, not with our little finite minds. We cannot understand the infinite. God is all knowledge. He has all wisdom, all power. I want you to take your Bible, look in Jeremiah chapter 1. The book of Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1 tells us a very interesting thing. Look there in verse 4. In verse 4 he says, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew you. All right, now let me dwell on that thought just for a second. Think about that for a minute. Before I formed you in the belly of the mother's womb, he said, I knew you. Before you were born, God knew you. Well, if he knew you before you were born, do you think he knows you now? If he knew all of that which conformed of that body of yours in your mother's womb, and God designed you specifically, and that there's not a, you're not a copy of somebody, you are an original. You're an original. Specially designed by God. There's not another one quite like you. You're special. We often hear that, but it's the truth. So God knew you before you were born. If God knew you before you were born, did God know what you were going to be called, how you were going to look, all your problems that you were going to face in life before you faced them? Did God know that? Does God know what physical ailments you're going to have in life? Does he know how much money you're going to have in life? Knows all these things in advance on every individual and that there's a book written. Well, if there's a book on you, when was the book written? Is God writing it now, or has God already wrote it, based upon his foreknowledge? Interesting stuff. Good things to think about. Look what he says here in verse 5. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, set thee apart, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Uh, that was before he was born. And God knew that he was going to be a man, before the body. So God knows it all. But I believe when he says, and I sanctify, set thee apart, this is what I want you to do. Does, did Jeremiah have a choice then? Yes, Jeremiah still had a choice, but God knew his choice. See, I do not believe in a fatalistic predestination. Whatever will be, will be. I believe whatever will be, based upon the wisdom of God, will be based upon the knowledge and the decisions, the choices of man. So you could say whatever will be, will be, but it's got to be explained. Not blindly follow that it's all fatalistic. We have no really no choice. Yet we do have choices. But God designs everything in advance. God has 
designed this world and put this world in motion and then allowed you and I to be born at the time in which we were born. We could have been born a thousand years ago or maybe 500 years in the future, but God allowed us to be born now at this time. I don't believe you're here by accident, nor am I. It's all part of a master plan. One that God could have changed, could have intervened, could have stopped, but he didn't. See, you and I, we look at it this way. We're living it now. We're making our choices now. But God, knowing the end from the beginning, already completed the book. The book on you has already been closed. The prophecies concerning Christ, they were closed before he ever was born. Because God told prophecies about where he'd be born and how he would die before he was ever born. The book was closed. But you see, God has a lot of things that he has not yet revealed to us. But it's an awesome thing to live and to know that we have such a wonderful God that is so in charge that we don't have to worry. There's some things you and I cannot change. We can't change God. God will do what God's going to do, but it's based many times upon the decisions that you and I make. And God knows that in advance. When was God going to answer my prayer? Does God know what I'm going to pray for before I pray? The Bible says he does. He knows what you have need of before you ever ask. And that God doesn't get hamstrung. He doesn't get caught off guard. You know, a shock, a crisis. There's no crisis with God. And with every individual, God knows the end results before any of us were ever born. Now, can you trust a God like that, that has the power to alter, to change, to do whatever he wants to do. And God, knowing in advance how you're going to decide things, can bless or chasten. God doesn't force us. He tries to win us. He seeks to bend our wills, but not to break our spirits. You and I are supposed to believe that there is a, a guiding hand on our lives. You are supposed to believe that God is intricately involved in your life. And you should be able to look over your life and see the hand of God. Look what God has done for me. As I look over my life, I can see the hand of God so clearly. I mean, when I consider where I was born, how I was raised, and to see what God has done in my life, for me, personally. To me, it's an awesome thing. And I stand amazed. Here in the book of Acts in chapter 2, look there in verse 22. This is after the resurrection of Christ. It's after the ascension of Christ. And Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost. He says, ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you, by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, and ye yourselves also know, you know this, him, referring to Christ, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. God said, being delivered by the determinate counsel. In other words, God and his own counseling between the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, 
determined in advance that God was going to turn his son over to these wicked people and let those wicked people do to him whatever they wanted to do. But God knew exactly in advance what they were going to do. And God permitted this. This is why we say that Jesus Christ was slain from the foundations of the world. It means from the very beginning, God had already had a plan of salvation. It wasn't thought of all of a sudden there in the garden. And God says, oh my goodness, now what am I going to do? Now nah, she doesn't sin, that means the kid, I've I, I got to think of something else. I gotta, how can I get out of this mess? No, God already knew the answer before there was a problem. Or God wouldn't be God. Him being delivered by the determinant counsel and foreknowledge of God. Knowing ahead of time what people were going to do, he allowed it to happen. And determined to let them slay his son. Now, God determined something, and God had foreknowledge about something, and yet the people that did it were held responsible because it was their choice. He says, you have, by, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. He says, you did that. You did it. Did God know they were going to do it? Yes, he knew it. And God allowed them to do so. Because it fit into God's plan. You see, we're not down here playing some little game. We are making decisions that affect eternity. Your reward that you get in heaven is going to be a result of what you did for the Lord while you're here. Does God already know what you're going to get? Yes. But what you're going to get is going to be a result of what you do. You and I are living now. But in the mind of God, it's all over. The final book is written. The book of Revelation is closed. And we are seated in the heavenlies in Christ. You see, God already sees us there in the eyes of God because God says you are in Christ and Christ is there and you are in Him, so you are there too. You were buried with Him and you rose with Him and you ascended with Him and you're seated in the heavenlies in Him. Now see, there's a divine perspective and there's a human perspective. Understand it all? You never will. But that's how secure you and I are. We're supposed to believe that predestination is the security of every believer. It means that God has predetermined the destiny of every believer. That that's heaven. God has also predetermined the destiny of every lost person. But it's their choice. But God determined the destination. So you and I have been predetermined by God to stand before him in heaven, spotless, blameless, holy, pure, before God by grace alone. Now, does God already know that? Yes, God sees us that way. See, we are so secure. There is no chance of us ever losing that because it's done by the determinant counsel and the foreknowledge of God. And because all of that is true, while we're here going through certain things in life, God in his book already has done everything you're going to face. God knows in advance every problem you're going to have. And he knows how you're going to handle it. And he knows whether or not you're going to trust him or you're going to worry. Some things you're not going to determine the outcome. But it is the will of God that we learn how to trust the one that controls everything. 
And otherwise, you can worry yourself sick over things that you don't have to worry over. And you don't have to try to make things happen that's within the power of God. God will take care of things. It's so difficult for us as individuals to truly trust the living God. Look in 1 Peter chapter 1. And look there in verse 17. Verse 17. Well, let's just start in verse 16 because it's so important. It's a, like a command where it says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. It means that that's a choice that you can make. It uh, reveals the will of God for you and for me, but it's an option. Be ye holy is what God wants you to be. Because God is holy, that's what he wants you and I. He says in verse 17, And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, think about what he just said. That means that if this is true, and God is your Father, and God is not a respecter of persons, then God doesn't love anybody more than he loves you. True? God does not love anybody more than he loves you. But he also makes this statement. He says, Who without respect of person judgeth according to every man's work. So is every man going to have his works judged by the Heavenly Father? Yes. This is not for salvation. Now this is for your service. So that means your service is your choice. You can choose to serve or not to serve. You can be obedient or disobedient. You can go through life a whiner and complainer all your life. Or you can live by joy and happiness and peace. Because you learn how to trust the Lord. Now get this. He says in the last part of verse 17, Pass the time. And many of us, this is exactly what we're doing. What are you doing? Just passing the time. I remember when I was a teenager, the boys used to stand on the corner and watch all the girls go by. Remember that, fellas? Just stand around and watch the girls go by. What did the girls do? Go by. Why? So the boys get to see the girls go by. How many times somebody say, what are you doing? Oh, no, I'm just, just passing the time. Just killing time, killing time. And majority of the time, that's exactly what we're doing the time. We're killing it. We're not investing it. We're not using it in a profitable, we're just killing time. But we are passing the time because time passes away. What is time? It's that stuff that life is made out of. Life is made up of time. And when you kill time, you kill life. So if you want to save your life, you have to save time. That's why he says in the book of Ephesians, uh, redeem the times for the days are evil. Redeem the time. means buy up opportunities. Use your time while you're upon this earth. Use it wisely. You've got to go through it, so just go through it. You don't know how much time you're going to have. <coughs> so it's not so important as how, much, how long you live. It's what did you do with the time that you did have. Time is your life. you got life. Get what it says in verse 18. When he makes a statement there, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. In other words, fear that you will lose the will of God for your life. Fear that you'll kill time without investing time. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation or behavior, received by tradition from your father, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. In other words, there was a time in time past before the world began, before the foundations of the world, before the creation of the heavens and the earth, 
uh, God had a plan. And God had already determined what he was going to have his son do. And his son was willing to do it. And the Holy Spirit had a job. He was going to convict the people of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin because they believe not on him. And that they need to be righteous and that they're going to be judged. So God says, the Holy Spirit said, that'll be my job. And Christ was going to take and come and he was going to die and pay for the sins of the world. And every person that did believe on that was born of God the Father. And God the Father says, I'll take all those who believe on this and I'll give them to the Son. And the Holy Spirit says, I'll indwell every person that becomes a child by faith in Christ. And I'll live in them and work through them and, and do great things for them. And so it'll bring honor and glory to the Lord. A man could not have sat down and wrote this awesome plan. I mean, who could have ever wrote such a book? Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world. And you and I have become part of it. Did you know as much and as real as it was for God to send his son into this world to die for the sins of the world? You are just as important in this scheme as Christ. Because without you, and God's not a respecter of persons, he wouldn't have had to come. So all of this is as important about you as it is about Christ. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You are greatly loved by this invisible God that has this unseen hand and unseen eye and he's catering to you. And he watches over you like a hawk. You are like the apple of his eye. You're special to God. Now shouldn't that make you feel better? Shouldn't that make you a little bit more positive in life? Cause us not to be so down and discouraged all the time. To know that God has designed so much just for us. Because he loves us. I wonder what's written in your book. What's written in mine? I used to quote a poem when I used to talk to teenagers at camp. And I wanted kids to dedicate their lives to the Lord. Now I try my best to figure out every way I can to get them to think about eternal values. I said, when I stand at the judgment seat of Christ and he shows his plan for me, the plan of my life had he had his way and I see how I checked him here and I checked him there and I would not yield my will. Will there be grief in my Savior's eyes? Grief, though he loves me still. He would have me rich and I stand there poor. Stripped of all but his grace, while memory runs like a haunted dream down the paths I cannot retrace. Lord of the years that are left me, I give them into thy hand to take me and break me, to mold me and make me into the pattern that thou hast planned. You and I are supposed to dedicate ourselves to the Lord and determine to serve the Lord with all our hearts all the days of our lives. But we're not to think that God doesn't think about us or see us or have his hand upon us. There's a heavenly father that loves us and chastens us. And I know that and I believe that. It scares me to death. But I, I want to encourage you that know the Lord to believe that the will of God is for you and I to serve him. We are making decisions that do, do affect eternity. And there's a book on every one of us. That's awesome when you stop and think about it. Let's pray, shall we? 
Our Father, we do thank you so much for your word you've given us. We're thankful for the free gift of eternal life, that simply by faith alone we can know that we're going to heaven because we believe Jesus died and paid for our sins. And Father, for us this side of eternity to realize that everything about us you already know. The books are written. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Is it possible to trust Christ as my Savior without making Him Lord of my life? Is it true that if Christ is not Lord of all, He is not Lord at all? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or write by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace.